0: I'll be there, whenever you do.
1: <laughs> what up? How are you, madam? Hi, honey. Look at you, look at you.
2: How you doing?
1: Fresh the fresh beat face. I'm swell, how are you?
2: I'm good, I'm good. I, just, I came in from outside, I looked at the towel, it is hot. It's hot out
1: there. It's freaking hot, I know. I, I I turn off my fan so we can get your live voice.
2: Same, same. I turned mine off.
1: <laughs> I have all these church fans. I don't know if they do this in your Jewish community, but we have all these church fans. These are like when people die, they put their face on a fan and they pass. We
2: don't, we don't have fans.
1: Really? Well... Well, I'm from the South, so every time you go to a okay. church, there's always, like, fans there, and you just see these old black ladies like this. Woo, child. Woo, girl.
2: <laughs> you know what it is? Not a lot of Jews are in the South, so I think that's how what?
1: the There's a lot in Florida. That's where we met all the Jewish people, when in Florida.
2: No, no, no Florida's, like, our, that's, like... <laughs> like That's it, your it, retirement it's, home? That's yeah, it's it's retirement. That's not really our South. That's, like, our, like... That's like our extension of New York. It's like a hotter New York.
1: (laughs) Hotter New York, yeah. Well, look, madam. Whenever you're ready, this is just about about being alone with your own thoughts.
2: Oh my goodness!
1: If you were teaching a master class on life, it's from your perspective. So just imagine your great great grandkids knowing that their grandmother said this in 2020.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, scary.
1: So whenever the time the time limit is whenever whenever you whenever you're done whatever you want, you know?
2: Oh, just talk?
1: Oh, I'm gonna guide you, but I mean like okay. there's no limit, there's no limit to your life, you know? There's no limit to your okay. life.
2: Beautiful, beautiful,
1: okay. Okay, here we go, let's do this thing. Do this do it, boom. All right, folks, welcome back to this podcast, One Man, One Tree, and your host. I'm your host, Jared Waters. We have a special guest, ladies and gentlemen. She's an actress. She's a stand-up comedian. Uh, she's everything that's what's right in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Riley Lanson, how are you, madam?
2: Oh, thank you, dear. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me.
1: No, how, how has this quarantine affected you and your life thus far?
2: You know, it's strange because um, I, I, I left for a bit. I, uh, I went back to to South Jersey um, with my family for a little bit. And I was a little like, this is, I should be staying in New York. This is strange. But while I was there, I kind of learned to be a, a, um, alone. And I never, I was never good at that. I was never good at like, being in my own thoughts. Like, as we were saying before, I am terrible at that. I constantly have to keep going. Like, before this, I was like, if I'd have my day planned from like 8 a.m. to 3 a.m. Like, really? I needed the whole day planned and not having plans, whew, <laughs> that was weird.
1: You know, it's strange because I figure, you are, one, you are the probably the nicest comedians that anyone could ever meet. You always are so loving yeah. and everything else. And not a question, but sometimes we wonder how we got to this Riley, right? How we got to this Riley. So what I would like to do is to go back to the beginning. Oh. To the beginning. To the beginning. Where are you from? Where do you call home? What's, how did you, how did Riley, when Riley entered this earth, where did you enter from? I know where you entered from. Let me back it up. <laughs>
2: I, was like, I don't know if she wants to be talking about that on a, on a podcast, but we can. I don't know if you'll like it, but what what
1: where do you call home? Where does it start where do you Where do you come where do you Where's home for you?
2: um I grew up in uh Lumberton, New Jersey, which is a rural rural uh part of South Jersey, right outside like fifteen minutes from Philadelphia so what it was
1: you, uh, Are you a big family, small family? what was it like?
2: We had, I just have my little brother, um, my mom, my dad, most of my family in Jersey and my mom's size in um, Michigan. So that's.
1: So how much older than you are your brother?
2: My brother is uh, two years younger than me. So he's a little, he's my little brother. He's a little redhead, little little ginger.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so well, So what was it like growing up there? Like, do you have your early memories of. Like elementary school. Do you remember those times? What was that like growing up in New Jersey?
2: It was strange because um we lived in Lumberton, New Jersey, and my we were the only Jews in our neighbor. Like, we didn't know any other Jews in our town. So my mom thought it'd be important for us. And this is where I was like, oh, you'd like this. She sent me and my brother to a Jewish faith school. So <laughs> So my brother and I traveled about a half an hour every day to, um, to a Jewish day school. So we would be around other Jews
0: mm-hmm.
2: because she was like, this might be good for them to be around, you know, and then during the summer, I would go to like summer camp that wasn't Jewish.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: so I can be around different people. But my, my mom was like, I feel like they should be around <laughs> some Jews <laughs> to know a little bit about their culture.
1: Did you know did you guys notice that you were the only jewish people there or it,
2: it was weird because as a kid you don't really religion color it doesn't you don't you don't it doesn't sink in like other like as you get older so you don't really it's not a big deal it's not you're like oh this is not a big deal as you get older and you know your parents teach you or the society whatever but as a kid, it wasn't a big deal. I would have, I remember one time, all the little kids, we all met at this one girl's house, and they all try to um, tell me that Jesus was the savior, you know, that they found out I was Jewish. And they're like, Riley, Jesus is our savior. And I was like, okay, cool, yeah, good. I, I was like, sure, sounds nice. And I went home, and my mom was like, honey, Chelsea's mom called. <sighs>
1: Chelsea's mom called Chelsea's mom
2: called <laughs> you heard what the kids were doing to you Jesus is great but he's just not ours and I was like he sounds like a great guy mom I was like Jesus can be our savior too my mom's like ah yeah okay like as a kid you don't you know you're like sure right. it sounds great you're not gonna be like no no you know <laughs> but that's how kind of was when I was younger
1: I didn't I didn't really notice it till I see it now, how like little Jewish kids are the ones that are telling other kids that Christmas isn't real.
2: <gasps> they do that. See, I was such a good kid I was so good. I my mom was like, Honey, please don't tell the, the other neighbors like what what's happening. And I was like, Got it.
1: I, <laughs> I feel like they're more in tune with who they are. Like when I say like kids from different religions, they're like that. Cause even like in Christianity, we know Santa Claus is not real, but we still tell young kids, shh, sure. Santa's not gonna give you anything.
2: Right, I think, I I love that. That part of me, I, I people sh- sh- like, go crazy on that, that stuff, I think that's fantastic. I love being a part of that. I was like, Christmas was coming up, I couldn't wait to keep a secret. <laughs> I was great at keeping that secret. I was like, oh, I can't wait till they find out. <laughs> I was seven. <laughs>
1: So when you go to this, this, this Jewish day school, what age is that? Is that like five? Like you're, is that your first?
2: Yeah. I, I went to a synagogue, like preschool and I was like three oh, wow. to five. And then I went to the, I started at a Jewish private day school at seven to 14 to like. Oh wow. That's a long time. I went Mm-hmm. I'm, and there was like only by the time I graduated 24 kids in my class.
1: Oh, word. Yeah,
2: we were, we were, it was very small. You knew everyone's business.
1: What was Every- the first, do you remember the first teacher that, like, your first teacher, what was her name or his name inside oh, my, the school? Um, uh,
2: Mrs. Katz was my first teacher. Mrs. Katz, and she was cool because she had a lot of learning disabilities. Um, mm-hmm. a, a t- Like, I, I had a lot of like sensory issues, I had um, processing issues. And she was, they were very good with me. Like they were, they had, they put a, you know, when you get an x-ray done, the vest, mm-hmm. they put that on me in first grade.
0: What,
1: no, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> Can
2: you imagine doing yeah. that to a seven year old? They put one, cause I would, I would move around so much.
1: They put a weighted vest, they put a weighted vest on you. Oh, it's so not okay. <laughs>
2: She keeps you look back stuff. and you're like, "That was kind of was that traumatic? I don't, I don't know. I enjoyed, it. I
1: enjoyed it." I was like, yeah, she's working on her calf muscles. That's why she wears a squatted vest."
2: Right? <laughs> They're like, "She's getting up too much. We have to keep her down." <laughs> they put this vest on me. I was like, mm. "But it worked." So.
1: So she was like nice to you. What about the kids in this classroom? Did you did you feel a comfortability of being around people who were like you, or? Was it different being in school with everyone that had the same religion as you?
2: Um, It was strange because it was nice being around, um, you know, people who we all, we all pray together, we all learn together. But for some reason, having a learning disability and having all those other issues made me feel a little different um, constantly until I went to public school later in life and realize oh a lot of people have learning like learning disabilities like it's not just because a lot of kids in my class were very very smart like you this school was very, a lot of kids in my class went to going harvard mit like they were smart cookies so keeping up with these people felt like i was a little on the outside sometimes because I was always kind of behind in a way. Crazy, it was nice being around people that like believed in the same thing. That was nice, but I always felt kind of different in a way.
1: Was the competitiveness being competitive? Was it like fostered into the school system about like everyone needs to get?
2: Yeah, a little, and and I think that has to do with maybe minor like constantly being like you have to be good. And I don't know if this is like I know a lot of my Jewish friends growing up, um, their parents were like. Do you a know, doctor, you have to doctor, mm-hmm. try to be a lawyer, a scientist, you know. Um, and and like, I, I, my parents never, they were never about that. They saw that I loved art and they, I was good at like expressing myself through other things, and I wasn't so good at math and science. So my parents were like, No, do what you need, like, what you want to do will support. Mm-hmm. But a lot of parents were very, um, you know, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a scientist, and I think even at a young age, a lot of those kids were like, I'm going to be president, like, awesome, but I was over here like, I just want to go on stage, like, I didn't do at a young age, I was like, I just want to have fun.
1: (laughs) That's amazing that you know that at such a young age, you, like, you knew- You were, so were you the funny person in class? Were you like the one that's always having fun? Or were you kind of like a little self-conscious about your disability that you had?
2: I think I had to be, um, I had to be like, oh, I don't know if this is now contributing to how I am today about if being overly nice and being overly positive because I constantly, you know, felt like I had to make up for, being behind, if I was like, if I can make them laugh, if I can make them like me, they won't care if I ask 10 million questions about this math problem. Mm. Like, I felt like I was kinda having to, you know, be like, okay, if if they like me, I won't be as annoying about like, if I can't read all the way through. Like, (laughs) that's how I always felt. I was like, if they like me, I'm good. (laughs) If I can make this class laugh, I'm good to go, we're in the clear.
1: You're kind of like hiding your disability a little bit. You're like mm-hmm. disguising it with something else, with like laughter.
2: Yeah, I kind of I, I did that all the way, most of my life. I kind of try to, if, if, if I make them laugh, maybe they won't notice, I don't get what they're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I just keep going. But that was mostly um, middle school and elementary school. Mm-hmm.
1: So who was let's let's go? Who was the first friend you ever made? Like when you went to the school? Like who was the first friend you met at the school, and who was the first friend you met in your neighborhood? Who oh my! Oh like? um, uh, my!
2: My my very first friend um, when I was younger. My we had a play group, like uh, as a kid. My mom had this little play group, and her name was uh, Sam Samantha Sides, and she uh, she was amazing. She's an amazing friend, and she's Catholic. So I just remember doing Christmas when I was younger, and my mom being like, you can't tell Sam <laughs> <laughs> about Santa Claus. I was like, got it. And I just <laughs> – but she she was amazing. And we didn't go to school, actually, till high school. Mm-hmm. But we stayed friends all through elementary, middle school. She came to my plays. I went to her swim meets, gymnastics. She came to my karate sh- – like, we both, like – But we weren't in the same school but she she was my first like friend friend
1: your neighborhood friend
2: yeah she was my first like mm -hmm.
1: and what's your first school friend? the first friend you make at the school what's that friend who's that friend
2: um i think it might have been um zoe kress might have been the first friend zoe kress yeah and Zoe was, she's, she's a good friend and she still is. She, she's, she's also a smart cookie. She's like John Hopkins killing it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, yeah, that Zoe Crest might've been the first, first friend at school. Mm-hmm.
1: Did they ever cross paths? Did you ever have your neighborhood friends and then your school friends cross paths or was it like two separate lifestyles? Like these are my neighborhood friends. Then when I go to shul, these are my school friends.
2: friends. Yeah. Oh, I love yours. little old Okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was very, very good. And I think I'm still pretty good at um, having different groups of friends. And when they cross cross paths, being like, okay, we have to make this as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. My bat mitzvah was like the first time I remember seeing like different groups of friends coming together. And I was like, I hope this works out.
0: <laughs> Everyone <laughs> has to get
2: drunk. <laughs> I remember thinking that like, 12. I was like, we all have to be drinking.
1: <laughs> yeah. When you – so, when you get to, to shul, did you notice – was there, like, a separation of boys and girls inside the school, where, like, boys would have to do certain things, or, or was you guys more blended together in the school?
2: Um, we were more blended together. Um, I, first, I went to a conservative um, synagogue. I So, you know, you know how it is. Reform, conservative, orthodox, ultra, all that. Right. I was – I was considered most of my life conservative. Um, I would go to shul every Saturday till high school. Oh, wow. So since I was little, that's what my my mom thought that would be a good thing for me to do too. Um, And my brother, since where we grew up, it would be nice for us to go to synagogue. And then then it all became a social hour. It became a social hour every Saturday. (laughs) Every Saturday, and all of a sudden, I would be like, ooh, what am I gonna wear to shul tomorrow to look like? <laughs> it was like, now I'm seeing my crush. Like, it became a party. It, was, it became a hangout and a party once we turned like 12. I was like, this isn't about praying anymore. We're here just to socialize. It was like building a
1: community, a community of people who share mm-hmm. the same religion because I noticed that a lot of people would like for their daughters to marry a Jewish man.
2: Oh, my God. My father would be <laughs> would be so happy. But, like, I guess that's with every – and it's a very old – like, I can't – like, when I have children one day, they honestly can marry whoever. And mm-hmm. I'm – of course, I love my religion. I really do. I love being Jewish. I There are parts of being Jewish that's very spiritual, mm-hmm. and it's about the earth and about your body and health. That's not – extreme that I really I think is beautiful and I would love to teach to my kids but I think you know love is more love is right you know important but my father (laughs) so happy he would (laughs) be high
1: five and everybody come on everybody oh my
2: god he I told him I downloaded J Swipe because I was bored Jewish Tinder oh he was the happiest little camper
1: My friend, she's Orthodox, and she told me that when you get to a certain age, the like rabbi has like this guy, this matchmaker, and he gives you a file, and he looks at your file, and they like match you, and you got to meet at the bottom of a hotel, and then after that, you got to give like the car facts of how the date went, the pros (laughs) The pros and cons, and then he like sends it back as like, well, she doesn't want a second date, so we're gonna go ahead and put you into a different binder.
2: That's so funny that you have to write a review about the date afterwards. Like you go to a restaurant, you're like, it was good until, you know, the mashed potatoes were kind of cold. It was. Cold. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's my mom even told me the other day. She's like, maybe we should get you a matchmaker. I'm like, mom.
1: Yeah. That's what she says. She has. She's, she's, yeah, she's orthodox. She grew up orthodox.
2: See, That's, that's a little <clears throat> more. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Mother that's never happening ever ever
1: <laughs> so we're so we're like eight so we're eight we're starting to go to our the jewish private school that we're inside there and you're do you are you comfortable now with your disability have you embraced it yet or are you still
2: i'm not as comfortable no so i'm i still get very um uncomfortable when they, they take me out of class to help me oh they're
1: doing stuff like that
2: yeah, yeah. Mm. and like they put um they put in speakers in the room. So imagine you're in a class and there's like little speakers everywhere and the teacher is wearing a headphone. And then like, I have a speaker on my desk because I have auditory processing um, disorder, which is when you're you're talking and we're at a comedy club and everyone else is talking, you're talking to me, I might hear half of your sentence because I'm processing only half of it. this is why like reading lips right now and like the mask over the face is like so hard cause I'm like, oh, reading lips was my thing. I was like, oh man. But when as, as an eight, nine year old there were speakers in the class and I was very self-conscious.
1: Embarrassed too, that's very like.
2: Yeah, cause it was. they were like, this is for Riley. Everything was, no, this is for Riley. And I was like, hey, you don't have to say it. Like it could have, now if you go to that private school there's speakers in every classroom and they're still using the speakers for kids because they're realizing it's helpful in general because there could be outside noise could be hallway noises and people just get distracted. Right. So, um, but now they use it all the time there. But when I was a kid, it was like, this is for Riley. Okay. Everybody like the speaker be careful. I was like, Oh my Mm. God, (laughs) you don't want to be outed as an eight year old. You want to be like everyone else. I was like, Oh man.
1: Did you did you ever have those moments where you talked to your parents about it, like why am I like why am I different, or what were they saying?
2: Um, my mom was very good at being like um, and not trying to make me different. She was like, "This is helping everybody, Riley. This is not just helping you." Mm.
0: Um,
2: you know, if you're a night if you're a nice person and um, you know you're doing the right thing, and my dad would teach me this too they're not gonna care about that in the end. No one's gonna be like, do you remember Riley, the girl with the speakers? They'll be like, you remember Riley? She was the one that made me laugh. Like, they're not gonna remember the speakers as much as they're gonna remember you. And like, they kind of ingrained that in me for uh, most, most of my childhood. Just be a nice, kind person and whatever happens, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna be fine. Everyone has their issues. Everyone is going through something, not just you. This may be a thing now, but in 10 years, you're not going to have, it's not going to be the same. So they kind of ingrained that in me most of my childhood, which is I thought was very helpful as a kid.
1: What a loving, what a loving family, you know, to like know that, yeah. you know, that their daughter's special.
2: Very blessed. Mm-hmm.
1: What, were your, what were your grandparents like?
2: Um, my, so my, <laughs> <laughs> you say, my, you know, Bubby, you know, Bubbies. And Z- yeah.
1: you say, yeah, Bubby. I was like, yeah, she's calling Bubby, me. Bubby,
2: you know,
1: Bubby. <laughs> so I- she called me an old grandpa. <laughs> when you call her, I was like, yeah, she's calling me grandpa.
2: Oh, no, because <laughs> I call everyone, but, but we call, so my two grandmas, Bubbies. And then my grandpa, my dad's dad was Zado. We Is- call it that Yiddish for grandpa. And then Zadie for my mom's side. But my um my dad's parents, so my biggest influence in my life is my dad's mom was my dad's mom mm. and she was like like if she was on this call right now she'd be flirting with you she'd be like <laughs> oh hello there like <laughs> she was the most confident woman I just I would always strive to be like her but she also was such a Jewish grandmother we'd be in synagogue and she'd be like these girls think they can get away without any makeup i'm like bubby <laughs> <laughs> <you know." laughs> But she would, she'd flirt with women. She'd flirt with men. She'd be like, Riley, you have to learn how to use your angle. Like she was, mm. she was, <laughs> but like everyone, but she made everyone laugh. She was like the, like a light in a room. She'd walk in a room and you just like, you'd have to stare. She just glow. Mm. And I, she was just like my one person, my whole life I could go to. All that, and she she was a good one. She was she was an amazing woman, but she was definitely she was crazy. <laughs> she pulled crazy stuff that you're like, you can't do that. You can't you can't take ten bathrobes from a hotel and think <laughs> okay. like it's just. She pulled grand Jewish grandma stuff that you're like, really okay, Bubby. But she was she was great.
1: Did you spend like a lot of time with her? Like, were there times like you just spend the whole summer with her, or
2: Oh yeah, we uh after school she was um and in synagogue she was right down the road. Yeah. So we would always go over there after school if any, if there was any issues in the family or like for whatever reason, I would always get dropped off at her house. Yeah. So she was always very good at distracting me for like if there was ever issues with anything and that was really beautiful. But she was she was a really good woman and She just she does yeah, she knew how to distract you from anything that was going on. She just make you laugh.
1: (laughs) Were you the first grandchild or were there a lot of you guys?
2: Um, so there on my dad's side, two other boys. Um, I was the first granddaughter in the whole family on both sides my mom's side and my dad's side.
1: So what's that like? Or do you feel like there was like extra excitement or just like, we got to make sure.
2: It was so weird. It was, she called, so my name, my name's Riley, but it's not very Jewish. And she didn't like that it wasn't Jewish enough. She's like, why couldn't you be named Rebecca or Rachel? (laughs) Princess for two months of my childhood. She wouldn't call me Riley. She'd be like, oh, there's princess. I was like, this is. This is terrible. (laughs) So, cause she's like, Riley's not a Jewish name. We're not calling her Riley. But um, she eventually got around. But I was the first girl in 42 years. Wow. On that side. And then on my mom's side, there was two boys as well. So it was all boy cousins. And like, you just, I learned how to, I learned how to hang with guys, I think. Cause I tried so hard. To, to fit in with my cousins, I just okay. want them to like me I just, I just want them to like me that's all but like how can you like an annoying seven year old girl when you're a ten year old boy like you can't right. you there is no there like you can you can get along, but like what do you have in common <laughs> it's not much
1: because now you know how to hang with the dudes but you're still feminine, you know feminine right you still- right?
2: Right. Yeah, I think I learned the feminine from my, my bubby and then, like, learning how to hang with guys from all my cousins.
1: <laughs> how do they treat you, though? How did your cousin treat you being the only girl? Did you feel like you were always a girl or you feel like you were the one of the homies?
2: Oh, I definitely... I think because I was always... I was kind of, bo- like, tomboy when I was younger. As I got older, I was definitely more feminine. <clears throat> and I think they were a little weirded out by that. And my dad's side my mom's side, they were like 10 years older than me. Oh wow. Nine, 10 years older. So they kind of were a little nicer, but my mom's side, my dad's side was um, was boys my age. So right now we're all really good friends. And like I FaceTimed with one of them yesterday. Like we're all good buddies. But when I was younger, I was like, please let them love, like I want them to like me (laughs) so badly. I was like, I'll watch baseball.
1: I'll watch baseball.
2: I'll I'll watch football. Like that's, yeah.
1: So we're in, so we're like in nine, we're nine years old, right? So now we go into our adolescence, right? Yeah. We're still in the same school. school. Does your community of friends in the neighborhood get bigger or are your friends now getting bigger from the school you're going to?
2: Yeah, the school I'm going to, I'm definitely getting closer with them. Um, Just because I lived so far from
1: You're like, pretty much bus to a different neighborhood,
2: yeah. Oh my God, my yeah, my the bus didn't even get there. My dad had to to drive us. The bus wouldn't even get to where we lived. We were in literally, we lived on a farm. It was like farmland. So like my dad had to drive us, but I had joined karate when I was seven. Mm -hmm. And I was, and by nine, 10, I was killing it in karate. I would leave school on Fridays early. So I could get to karate practice early. Like they let me leave class so I could go to karate practice.
1: What belt did you get up to?
2: black oh yeah,
1: so you can F. F. somebody up if you <laughs> wanted to
2: yeah, but if you tell anyone that they'd be like, no, she can't no she
1: <laughs> yeah, there's so much things about you that nobody even knows. It's like, man Riley, you touch her, she might, might be you
2: up yeah. <laughs> With a smile. That's when they, they called me Smiley Riley when I was nine. Cause when I would fight, I would be smiling. Cause like, I just love perform. <laughs> I love doing it. So anything I love doing, I'm just smiling the whole time. And they're like, or oh, you can't be smiling when you hit someone that's weird. <laughs> it looks strange. Don't stop. Stop doing."
1: <laughs> you went all the way up to black belt. So when, so as, so did you like the competition? Did you like competing?
2: Yeah, I I I liked the competition, but it wasn't the end of the world for me. I think I like I like performing, and I like being with a cool group of people. And I mm-hmm. I was good at karate, so I like being good at something. Because <clears throat> in school, I was terrible at school. I was terrible at all. So karate was a place I could be good at. And um, mm-hmm. but competition was never a thing for me. Like this one girl, Maria. We were ten years old. And she was in the Dalran school, I think. And she would kick everyone's butt at sparring. Because you had to do like, you had to do a kata section. You had to do a weapons section. Then you had to do a, a sparring section in, in competitions. And she would kick everyone's butts. And I just remember... I remember fighting her And I was so I was so excited to fight her Because I was like Maybe I'll win And <laughs> my mom was like If you don't win It's fine She's- <laughs> Riley just be careful She kicked me in the stomach I turned around Threw up I was <laughs> 10 I turned around Threw up Went back And like I don't know what I did <laughs> Wiped her out And I won i oh. oh. was winning And my mom was like Yeah no one saw that coming Like <laughs>
1: You turned around and knocked her out.
2: I turned around and knocked her out. My mom's like, you literally threw up and then you beat her up. My mom's like, Who raised you? Who
1: the karate kid, right?
2: (laughs) I was like, was at the end, I was like, that was a lovely surprise. My mom's like, What? But it was fun.
1: Do you think that people are surprised at your talent? Because it's like hidden talents, because your talent, people can tell that you're very talented, but they don't know where the talent comes from, you know? Until mm. you explain it like, oh wow, I've done this. You're like, what, really? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because it's just it was a part of childhood. It's a part of your life that you you don't really, like I was, a, I was a, in the mime company in high school and I did it because I knew it would help me as an actor. But when you tell people you were a mime, they're like, what? what, when did you have time to be a mime? I'm like.
1: That's cool as oh, that.
2: There's time, there's time to be a mime. <laughs> I lost all your followers right now. They heard <laughs> I was a mime. And they're like, sign off? Yeah, but.
1: <laughs> no, I wrote a pilot about a mime. You did? Wait, About a, a black dude falling in love with a mime.
2: Wait, that's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's, they, they bump into each other. And she's like this, and he goes, "I see you."
2: Oh my gosh, that's amazing! It's, it's, <laughs>
1: called, it's called you. It's called you remind me.
2: Oh my god, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Are they stuck in the box the whole time? Where oh, no, you
1: go? There's like they're taking her to like real. She's like going to counseling and stuff like that, and he's trying to explain himself to her, and she's like doing all this mime stuff.
2: Oh, that's nice that's cute like,
1: that's real, a, like, yeah so it's like real you remind me that's what I it's okay
2: called. oh so my miming goes along with your okay this is good but yeah i've <laughs> people are always they think it's the funniest thing when they hear him a mime or a black belt or whatever i'm like you know what
1: <laughs> i think that's cool i think that is so i think i think sometimes as we you know, as comedians, we don't, we don't really look in too much about each other. We're always looking into ourselves and realizing like, oh man, these people have lived interesting lives. I feel like the most interesting people are people who've lived a life, you know?
2: I 110% agree. I love, I love learning and hearing. That's why growing up and being like, oh, you should marry someone Jewish. I, of course, I would love that. Cause it's, new religion spiritual it's beautiful Mm -hmm. but I always love being with people friends um love love whatever with people who aren't exactly like me because I think other cultures other religions so it's so cool it's so cool learning about it brings you out of a bubble it brings you out of your own world and you can appreciate other things And I think that's honestly, in the end, the most beautiful thing that you can do as a human is just learning about other people. So I think that's, yeah, 100% agree.
1: Do you get to this point at like, so now we're at like 11. So you're 11, you're going Mm -hmm. into middle school. Is this when you're, do people know that you're in karate or no? Do people at your school?
2: Yeah, they, they know in karate. I wanted to do the school play very Mm -hmm. badly when I was 11, but um Karate took up too much of my time. And um, I was also going to speech therapy, occupational therapy, like all the other things. So my mom was like, you can't do the school play. Like there is no. So everyone knew. And I got my black belt when I was 13. Okay, so okay. they, they, everyone knew that they're like, oh yeah, Riley's doing her karate. <laughs> like That was my thing. I left school early me and Jennifer Silver. Jennifer left school early to do ballet. I left school early to go to karate because we were like co- competing. So oh. they were like, oh, this is good for them. This is Their school thought it was good for us to go and compete. It's so weird.
1: Migrating too. So with the speech therapist, did you go to the speech therapist for like the pronunciation or for what? What was the speech therapy um, for?
2: Speech therapy was mostly for my um, auditory processing. And Cause sometimes when you don't hear things correctly, you say things wrong. Mm. Um, I still have that now with certain words. Um, but she, she also did recall. Um, I couldn't remember, like if you asked me when I was eight, what was in the fridge? Like what's in your fridge? I couldn't tell you. Mm. I couldn't tell you what was in a fridge. Like Or like who was at the birthday party? I couldn't tell you. And it wasn't memory. It's not memory per se, it's recalling. I couldn't I couldn't put their names up to their faces. I couldn't I couldn't remember the word tomato. Um, I couldn't it was it's strange. It's a very and as a child, it's very hard because when you're trying to meet new people and talk about things, recall is such a big thing. Like, what did you do at school today? I would be like, um, went into rooms, like Mm -hmm. I couldn't and it's not the it's not memory it's a very interesting thing but it's it goes along with auditory processing but um my mom she made me go to this therapy so much as a kid that right that now as an adult I don't find it to be an issue which is a beautiful thing
1: got it yeah so you were introduced to all these things early
2: yeah it was definitely a big thing in my childhood and I'm very grateful for my mom to like have made me like take me there every other day, and she really was she'd do the homework with me. It was good.
1: When well, so when what age do you fall in love with acting? When does that happen?
2: Uh, I th- I think because of my Jewish private school, we had it I don't I don't know if this is most at most day schools, but since in first grade we had to do act like big plays about from the Bible, like like tourist Torah stories right and we had to act out all this stuff every year It was a, like an a different act out a big one at the end of the school year and i always killed it i was like i'm gonna be like i had the best time i was always the comedic part like um fifth grade so what 10 11 we right. had to do um a mock wedding, a mock wedding. <laughs> Like we had to, we had to learn the um a life cycle in fifth grade. So you learned at the beginning you had to learn about your birth. So we learned about like sex and everything. Then we learned about the bris. The bris. Yeah. we had to learn and then we learned about Bar and Bat mitzvahs. Then we learned about weddings and the matchmaker and whatever. And then we learned about um, you know, dying and the shiva and the death process because that's a huge thing in the jewish religion is a lot and now around fifth or sixth grade i had a lot of death going on mm-hmm. so we learned it was it was like we had to learn everything backwards our teacher died in the beginning of fifth grade wow. so we had to learn shiva and death first and then work our way <laughs> we worked our way back up
1: we went back we, around the life cycle
2: back around but the mock wedding I was the matchmaker. I was the Yenta. I wore my mom's bra. I stuffed <laughs> it. I had a Yiddish accent. It was it was terrible, but I had the best. I was like, I love performing. I Did they love- have that
1: recorded? Did your dad record it?
2: Yep. Yep. It's recorded. It's recorded. My dad fell back. asleep in it, but it's recorded.
1: <laughs> Say that back for your VH1 Behind the Music. Behind the right. joke. It's
2: it's it's there somewhere in the world on a VH1 set. It's out there, but my that's when i literally was like i love performing any aspect i loved it karate performing on stage anything getting up in front of the class i i enjoyed all of it being center of attention that's what it was
1: (laughs) how did you memorize your lines
2: see that was it i did they never gave me lines because they knew i couldn't recall them so they always they always would be like riley if you wanted you can kind of like improv.
1: <laughs> You're Robert Downey Jr. She don't read script. The script reads her.
2: <laughs> it's great. They're like, don't give Riley lines. She's not. Gonna. <laughs> I'm
1: so effed up. But just...
2: I still. I'm t- I went to school for a BFA, and my roommates all went. We all went to the same school. You can ask any of them if I had a. They never gave me big parts because literally they're like, we can't trust Riley. with with the lines because I wouldn't I would be terrible I would honest I loved improv that's why I love comedy so much Mm. because I don't I don't feel the stress of the memorizing I feel like I can do my own thing which is great but yeah (laughs) Robert Downey (laughs)
1: yeah I don't read that remember that movie (laughs) yeah yeah. I don't read script script reads me me. wow great True story. I auditioned for a play before. I auditioned to be monkey number seven in The Jungle Book.
2: (laughs) I was a flying monkey in The Wiz. Was it The Wiz?
1: No, The Wiz. Oh, you did The Wiz, the (laughs) black person.
2: They did The Wiz at a Jewish sleepaway camp. (laughs) Who who
1: Who was Michael Jackson? Who had to be Michael?
2: I just remember watching and being like, I think something's off. (laughs) <laughs> something doesn't seem right I couldn't have put a finger on it I was like this doesn't seem right I was like
1: he's <laughs> on down the road <laughs> right.
2: fits on down the road okay on down the road. <laughs> I just remember being like something doesn't seem right I don't so know why we're doing this show
1: <laughs> I don't know about but that lion sure has a little savitz to him huh That lion right. has some, <laughs> some stuff to him
2: Great. That's
1: amazing though. That's amazing. That at that age, you learn how to improv.
2: Yeah. I love, I, I and love doing skills
1: that. that you use now.
2: Exa- exactly. It definitely helped as I got older, like being able to just like, and I, my mom's like, I don't know how you do it on stage. Like crowd work. She goes, you couldn't remember <laughs> anything. Wow, that is a
1: good point. I didn't even think about it like that because you do do a lot of crowd work.
2: Yeah, my mom's like, I don't know how you remember like, just go off on things because she goes like, twenty years ago that would not be a thing. <laughs> She's like, it's crazy, and it really it blows my mind sometimes too. I'll see videos of myself as a kid. I'm like, how, how am I talking right? Like it was not. It doesn't equal. Well, as a
1: now kid. I'm starting to think that a lot of people down south probably don't remember names. That's why we use all these nicknames. That's what. <laughs> that's Everybody. what I do. Big dog. If you have oh. noticed, hey, what's up, big dog? Yeah, what's yeah, yeah. up, Wee? What's up, Turbo? What's up, Nicodemus? <laughs> <laughs> I called some dude Nicodemus. He's like, what? I said, yeah, that's my nickname for you, Nicodemus. All right. <laughs> have
2: a recalling issue. You're like, oh, don't worry about it.
1: Right. So now we're 12. We're 12. We're in school. We're doing karate. Your friends are supporting you now. You have Friends, right? Do you meet more yeah. friends who this? Who's like your second and third friend? Who's the girls that you are, or dudes that you're rolling with?
2: Um, I have to say, it's you know, there's there's 14 girls in the grade right now. Oh, I
1: was, I was, that's a big group. That's
2: a big group of girls. But this you not know, like
1: one grade. I'm that's a lot of, that's a small <laughs> amount of girls.
2: It's, there's 14 girls and 10 boys. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking there was clicks in the 14 girls. How, how do you make clicks? With 14 girls like they had, they did it I don't know how they did it I didn't understand I hated clicks I thought what they were click were you in I was in I tried to be in all of them <laughs> 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 I tried so hard to be friends with them all one time one of the clicks told a lie about the other click there was two clicks and then like a little third click but eh but one of the clicks told a lie about the other click. Mm-hmm. And then um, we had to go to counseling like and watch bully movies <laughs> every lunch period for about like six weeks. And then after the six weeks was all, they're over. A bully all- a bully video. Right, <laughs> bullying videos. And they were the stupidest, like remember the 90s, early 2000s health uh-huh. video, like bad, bad acting. But I was so angry. I'm like, why are we even in here? And then they, They're like, okay, you guys can go to lunch now. You guys are going to sit together, have a good lunch. We went to lunch, and I remember the cliques sat separately. And I was like, this is stupid. I remember I sat in the middle of the lunchroom on the ground. By yourself? By myself, because I was so angry. I was like, Mm -hmm. why aren't we all sitting together? And then one of my friends was like, Riley, we all can't like each other. So mad, I was like, this is stupid, there's 14 of us. We all keep it along, why are we doing this? It's crazy, you at
1: a young age knowing that, knowing that you just wanted to keep everything together, you know?
2: Yeah, I was very, I I got, I get very scared when things are negative, like I get very, which is also probably not a great thing either, but anytime there was anything bad, I was like, no, squash it.
1: So you're the one that bridged the gap, bridged the gap of everything else. I tried. so what? What about the dudes? The dudes were there because twelve and thirteen is like really when like Oof. like puberty starts. What was that? How do they talk to you guys about puberty?
2: Um, was well, it weird or it was very weird because it wasn't a big deal as much because for some reason we always were kind of for some reason and I don't know. This is not an all Jewish sex, but they were very good at being like it's okay to have sex like they were very at that age they were like it's a good this is how you put on a condom this is when we were like 11 we did a whole condom banana thing i'm like this seems early but it, it felt it felt normal which was cool but i got boobs when i was 11 12. so me and one other girl had these huge boobs and i just remember like wearing low cut shirts every day because I remember the guys like I got attention because I was always kind of weird. I would they like me as like a friend, but then I was always like this also weird like Riley is so straight but then this low cut shirt thing happened and they just didn't know what to do. They're like what is Riley?
1: He said, uh, let me talk in the speaker for a minute.
2: <laughs> right? Like, like this is interesting. This is mm-hmm. And uh, that my first ever encounter with a guy was synagogue. Like, it was
1: <laughs> whoa, <laughs> what what what, what,
2: what, what? Right, hey,
1: Jared, Got to prove this. Got to prove this.
2: Right? We all- oh, okay. I I've said it on stage a little bit here and there because I think this story is because as a as a I was twelve, I was about to turn thirteen, and this guy would always message me on AIM.
0: aim um, Right. <laughs>
2: And you'd oh, always be man. like, he he would say things like, Can I titty fuck? And I'm like, what? Like I remember looking it up on Wikipedia. Like, Wikipedia. what kitty fuck? Yeah. I was like, what is this? And um I remember one time he's like, we should, we should hook up. And I was like, okay, where? Because we couldn't do it like in our house or in right. school. He's like, how about the synagogue? I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I was like, okay. So we planned one Saturday. I remember what I was wearing. I remember all of it. We went to the we went to synagogue, and after the um, mourner's cottage, you know the
1: mourner's cottage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
2: it's for dead people.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
2: But like, like after the mourner's cottage, we're gonna go to the youth lounge because no one's in the youth lounge. So I remember sneaking down to the youth lounge with him. And I remember being so nervous. I was like, I can't think for doing this. And he was like, I remember him saying he's, he's like, I have a boner. And I remember not knowing what that was. And I was like, Yeah, me too. I have. <laughs> he's like, What? I was like, Yeah, I got too. He's like, Okay, like. <laughs> I was like, ah, (laughs) but then, me too, me too, (laughs) it was the weirdest, (laughs) I just remember being like, this is the strangest thing that's ever going to happen, and then when we get, we we found this little, like, corner, and I remember, I looked up what titty fucking was on Wikipedia the day before, and it was these two big, (laughs) jeez Louise, (laughs) He makes this, this big black cock in the middle and he took he took out his little like 11 year old 12 year old <laughs> and i remember being like this is not what it looked like on wikipedia like this is not what i saw
1: oh my gosh <laughs>
2: yep, we didn't kiss or anything i think i touched it for a second he t- it was like a weird and then we were done it was the weirdest thing. I was like, I remember being so nervous. I was like, I don't know who to tell. I don't know who to talk to this about. Cause he's like, don't tell anybody. I was like, ah. So you just kept this in. He was like, yeah, no, I told, um, one, I told one of the girls in our class at a sleepover and then she told another girl and they told his best friend. And then, I got I got whew, I got reamed. He was like, "Why would you tell her? I'm like, "You know what? We have a small ass class. The parents found out, the teachers found out. Oh I was my like the hoe. I was like the hoe of the Jewish private school. I had all these learning disabilities. Now I'm over here being a hoe. like they're like, what is Riley? Like this is t-
1: <laughs> Did you feel ashamed when they when they told? How did you feel?
2: Yeah, I definitely felt. I was very like embarrassed. Ryan?
1: And you don't like being embarrassed too. That's. I like.
2: hate, yeah, that was, that was it for me with guys, really. Like I had one little boyfriend in, in high school, but I just remember being like, you know what? If this is what happens when you, when you get drama with men, I'm done. I was like, I don't want this drama. I remember being very, very embarrassed at 12 for <laughs> I it.
1: No- I noticed that like growing up, that it was just like, I guess now I know it's toxic of just guys discussing girls in locker rooms and stuff like that. But it's like, like when I tell my ladies, that's what I just grew up on. Like I grew up on. Yeah. I think guys are more messier than girls.
2: It's weird because honestly, when I told the girlfriends about it, they all were like, oh, that's awesome. And then we we didn't talk about it again. Mm -hmm. We were just like, oh, that's great. But as soon as Eitan, I remember Aton told, no, it was over. He, it was, oh, he got mad at me. I was like, what's the big deal? He's like, you can't be telling everyone. I was like, okay, my bad.
1: My, my bad. for something you wrote on AIM? <laughs>
2: my, yeah. My, and then he hit me up in high school to hook up. I was like, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Three, year, three four years later, you're asking me to hook up after you up. <laughs> That I was so annoyed,
1: right? I don't even go to that synagogue anymore.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he changed synagogues. I was like, (laughs) like, Did my boobs boobs make you change synagogues?
1: So, that was your first experience to like, like to that adolescence of just puberty. And then, look, it was a bad experience. So, do you leave this at 14, is when you leave this school, right?
2: Yes um is it a I, happiness
1: where you're like I'm finally gone like I get a fresh start
2: it it was strange because I wanted so badly to go to public school um very badly I I wanted to go to public school most of it I don't know I just heard I watched movies I would I would I wanted that experience of like locker I just wanted public school experience um
1: did your friend say that was in your neighborhood did she tell you about public school or
2: yes yeah they all were like oh Riley you love it this and that but my mom didn't want they didn't want me going to the public school where we grew up because as a Jew they just they didn't feel comfortable sending me there and I think the school system wasn't as good Mm -hmm. um so they were like so I was like let's move Let's move.
1: <laughs> Let's move. Let's leave. I, mean,
2: I was like, I was making, I was like, we shouldn't just move. And my mom's like, okay, I'll move. So we moved when I was 14. You
1: got your whole family to move?
2: I've got the whole family to get up and move. I was like, this feels like too much. But my mom's like, no, you're right. Like, I think, I think it'd be smart. And we moved closer to my dad's dental office and we moved closer to my bubby. It was a, overall a great move but um, where we moved to was Cherry Hill, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and that is like a Jewish bubble, my friend. It is the most-
1: I went to somewhere closer.
2: It is, it, is clo- it is the most little Jewish bubble, but I didn't really know anyone in my public school. I moved 14, and I think I knew three people in high school.
1: Was that good? Did you feel alone or did you like it so you um, get to start out fresh? You knew three people in your high school that were Jewish or you knew three people in your high school? Just, just
2: from like from my um, Jewish private school, they also went. So there was like oh, three of yeah.
1: them there. You had mm-hmm. a compatibility.
2: Right. And it was, but they were in all the AP classes. Remember, they're all very smart. <laughs> all very but smart. This is
1: the, but this is the first time where you get to be with like people who are just, just like you a little bit. Yeah,
2: like I thought I got excited because I was like, oh, I'm gonna be in all these different classes. But my problem was because my middle school and elementary school, we were we were doing 12-page papers in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Like we were doing college like essays. So by the time I got to high school, even though I was very behind in my middle school, I was still further in high, I didn't realize. But because the school system saw my issues, they were like, oh, we have to put her in the lowest classes, like the, and I got there and I felt very, like I would, be, I would do my homework, the kids wouldn't. Like the, <laughs> the kids wouldn't do their homework. I'm like, I thought we all, have, we, we all had to do our homework. Like I was a good good kid, I was a good student. I was like, I thought we had to do homework because I came from a, a private school. But the kids in my class, they were like, no, I remember I was most of my classes were with kids who like would sell drugs, who would do but then I became their friend, like, it was so fun. They were such great guys. By the end of high school, like, some of them hit me up sometimes being like, Riley, we're so proud of you doing comedy, like,
0: <laughs> That's good. Yeah.
2: But I was friends with them. And then I was friends with a theater. And so I kind of I kind of had different Little groups of friends, but most of my core group of friends in high school was the the theater kids.
1: <laughs> did you notice that you got a bump of confidence when you went to the public school? Because now, your disability was really an advantage because that school was so hard. Your Jewish school. Now you're the smart girl at the in all your classes.
2: In all my classes, <laughs> right? Right. I really, I honestly, I did. I I felt you know the bump of confidence came with that, but. Um, I was behind on the um, everything else, as being like a, like all the girls would straighten their hair. They had contacts. They wore juicy outfits. They were they were wearing juicy juicy, juicy
1: juicy outfits.
2: It was that time. It was the juicy jumpsuits.
1: <laughs> juicy! I remember that juicy. Remember
2: the juicy jumpsuits? Mm-hmm. Yes. Juicy
1: jumpsuits. Juicy! Look at it. A little juice.
2: Right. A <laughs> little 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 Jewish. Flat butts everywhere with the juice with the juicy uh, jumpsuits. It was lovely, but I wanted that. I yeah. didn't realize, so I would come home and be like, "Mom, I want this. I want to. I want to look like that." And my mom hated that because my dad's a dentist, so we were able to be in a nice area. But mm-hmm. my mom grew up very poor in Michigan, and she. I'm very grateful for her because she was able to be like Riley. You if you want that, like you can't just ask for it. I'm going to give it to you. We're not, I'm not that type of mom. I'm not going to just, if you want Uggs, I'm not buying you a $150 pair of shoes just so you can fit in. Mm-hmm. So I would get kind of annoyed because I wanted to fit in and look like the other girls. And that that was never a thing till high school.
1: Did you, so what clothes were they buying you?
2: I was wearing like honestly was wearing like like t-shirts and jeans and like sneakers like that was my I, I or like like um, plaid button ups with leggings and like
0: oh, like, leggings.
2: like I was very chill and then as soon as I got to high school I was like oh my god I have to straighten my hair every day like I need contacts like. My mom was like, why? She's like, you never I need, need- I need contacts. I was wearing glasses. My mom, I was like, I look stupid. I was like, what? Now you want contacts for what? For who? But that's what happens when you're a 14 year old girl. Yeah. Well, for, I feel like for most, you got, boys too, you want to fit in.
1: No, our adolescence is big. I feel like, I think I, was, I read this. Our adolescence is whoever we are at that age is, is because of the people who are around
2: exactly you are who your company is exactly right. mm-hmm. Like
1: a lot of my friends we have this twang to us because i grew up so one i think I, I went to school in the netherlands and japan so all my friends are from different parts of the world
0: oh, you know,
1: when people hear the slang they're like where we don't know where the f you're from man we don't know so i was like i can I do a that. southern accent i can do a west coast accent everything else because all my friends that. are like i love that. around the world so <gasps> You're in so theater. Well, so theater is big in high school. So you're in high school. You're 14. You're fitting in. You're the smart girl now. You went from being, <laughs> you're pretty much, yeah. You got the boosted my confidence. My lower
2: classes, not, my, not on the lower classes. I was but that's doing still
1: that. something though. Mm-hmm. You're talking to the drug dealers. You're out there. You're helping them cut up grams and stuff <laughs> like that. You're helping them. You're helping them with their business. Their business goals. What's it like meeting people from different? What's it like? Do you feel unique? or do you think they think as you they think they're unique to you
2: um i think being in cherry hill um meeting other people i was very much the stereotype um instantly i was a white jewish girl and being in cherry hill that was very much a thing if you went to cherry hill east and you look like me it was normal um
1: did people think you were jewish or people didn't think you're like something else
2: no i definitely... <laughs> As I got older, when I, so when I would go to college or when I came to New York um, and I would meet people who maybe didn't know as many Jews, um, they would think I was Italian or in the summer, if I got darker, they would think maybe I was Porter, like Cuban or something like they would always, or Greek. It, they didn't. And then as soon as you of course there could be Jewish, Greek people, but someone's hearing Jewish. They're like, really? What? I did. Seriously? Like, I didn't see that. But um, back in high school, I was very much the norm, which was weird because where I grew up, that wasn't Mm. a thing. So it was kind of cool being around. Like we could have a menorah in our window. Back where I lived when I was younger, we couldn't have a menorah because people would throw rocks at the window. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Because anti Semitism was so bad as a kid when I got to high school. It's weird though, the first day of high school, this, this guy threw pennies at me in my math class. I was the only Jewish person in my math class. And I remember he threw pennies at me. And I was, because all the Jewish, most of the Jews were in the AP courses and the honors. And he threw pennies at me. And he's like, You're a Jew, right? And I just remember laughing because I didn't know what else to do. I was like, Oh, ha ha. I didn't know how.
1: Making fun of like money, the stereotype. Right,
2: the stereotype. And then and then later on, the same guy called me a kike, I remember later. And I remember being like, who calls? Like, how is that a thing still? What
1: is it? What is a kike? I remember people would say it all the time. I was like, what the freak is that?
2: So, yeah, kike is, I hate saying that. It's like the N word for, the, it's, the, it's the derogatory word for Jews. Calling someone. I
1: always hear Jewish people say it to each other, and I'm like, "Man, you do?
2: I really? Mm -hmm. I never. I I feel like it's such an old country, and kike I believe originates. And the the way this word came about is very weird. Mm -hmm. So when people came through Ellis Island, or when they came here, they had to fill out like a registry or whatever, and they said to make X's, right? Uh, Like Mm -hmm. fill out and make X's. And X's look like crosses to the Jews. They saw the X and they're like, oh, we don't wanna draw a cross. So instead, they drew in a little circle. They drew in a circle. And apparently, I believe kike means circle in something, in some language. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's German or Yiddish, it's kike is, means something. So then people would then be like, oh, that's a kike over there. Instead of saying that's a Jewish person, they would just be like, oh, that's a kike, because they would see the little circle. So that's how it came about, which is the stupidest thing ever.
1: Yeah, just because. they yeah. Does it put a circle on a cross?
2: Yeah, they would just put the circle, in and instead of instead of being a normal human being, be like, that's a Jewish person. There's evil in this world, and they have to say, "Oh, let's make a whole wor- word for us type of person, like any other type of people."
1: Or do you, th- of- you, do you think at that age you were just you wanted to fit in, so you would just ignore? the anti-Semitism?
2: Yeah. Um, I think, and I believe this is is with a lot of Jews as well, um, instead of, you know, getting mad about it, it's very easy to laugh it off or make a joke because, like, what else is there to do? Um, I, I was always told just to, like, ignore it,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: after a while, you're kind of like, okay, there's obviously hatred in certain people towards my people, right? Like when you hear someone say kike, okay, you obviously don't like Jewish people. <laughs> like you, you obviously are going out of your way to not like this type of people. So I think instead of getting angry, I just learned to either laugh it off or make a joke about it. And that's where the whole self-hating Jew comes from. That's whole, the whole derogatory or like self-deprecating thing comes from. And you see that in a lot of Jewish comedians, especially yeah, like,
1: yeah, I didn't get that because in the South we were raised Christian, So we like, when we saw Jewish people, we knew they were the chosen people. So they're like, I was like, man, oh, really? Guys, yeah. That's how it is. I forgot. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: I like, yeah. They're the job. Ch- I, I was scared. In college I hooked up with this Jewish girl. Wow. And yeah, I did. And then she's like, why are you so nice? I said, I'm afraid if I break your heart, God might break my, my spirit.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell that now to every to every guy I hook up with. I'm like, be careful because
1: that's a not normal, Yeah, we're in <laughs> North Carolina. So it's like, she's like, I'm just because like I'm Jewish. And we're, everybody's like, what? What'd you say you were? And they're like, oh, those are the chosen people, man. You better chill out, man. Chill, chill. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wonderful. I'm gonna use that now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah but the people are where when I tell people I'm like, yeah the chosen people like don't say that we don't believe that I was like oh freak all right my bad
2: yeah it's weird that the certain ideas of all that but I'm like hey you know if you don't have to see me as a Jew and just see me as Riley that's great too but if you see me as a Jew like just don't throw rocks at my window
1: <laughs> it's amazing how you say you were the stereotypical person of a Jewish person but when I went to Israel I thought I was in Miami Florida Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't know when people were telling me. I was like, "What? you what?" They're like, "Mixed girls, everything else." And I was like, "It's crazy how here there's a stereotype, but in Israel, it was just like, I thought I was in Miami." I was like, "Oh, this the look, television looks like Miami, Florida."
2: Yeah, is, is Israeli Jews and American Jews. It's a very different stereotype. Like we we all in the end have the same type of, you know, wanting of the same things, but the American Jewish white passing stereotype is a little different. Um, I don't know if it's because of, um, us coming from Eastern Europe and the propaganda of the big nose, the like, he, 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 like that whole thing was like transferred over here. And wow. we're all, we, we did a lot of money stuff in Europe. Like lot, there was a lot of ba- a lot of bank involved, a lot of because money was dirty back in the day. So nobody wanted that job. So the Jews did it because no one else wanted it. Mm -hmm. And then it became a thing where Jews just want money. It's like, no, we just help with the jobs because no one took the banking jobs. And all of a sudden we come to America and we're, you know, the ones with the banks or the ones, the doctors. And now we're like, the committee, like the people in Hollywood, because we, you know, and all of a sudden it's like this huge stereotype, and it's like, oh God, like, <laughs> and I think a lot of it came from the propaganda and the stereotypes in Eastern Europe.
1: Did you find comfort being with other Jewish people at your high school? Like when you guys saw each other, was it like, girl, hey, or you were just happy to be?
2: right? Um, yeah. You didn't. No one. It wasn't a big thing. It wasn't. Um. It, it wasn't a big deal unless maybe like. wedding was coming a bar mitzvah was happening like you just knew you just it's cool when you just get things when things happen and you're like oh like understanding of things Mm -hmm. or having to explain stuff to people there was a couple jews in the theater department but some of my close friends weren't jewish so i'd have to explain stuff to them which i always enjoy doing anyway
1: So what's so walk us through the theater department, so how do we get inside there? We're inside there, yeah do we still have this disability, or you've mastered the disability a little bit? Are you still not reading scripts in high
2: school? right <laughs> I tried very hard not to tell people mm. about my disability um I tried hard not to, I'd have to tell the teachers about it, but I hated telling people um and also in public school, everyone like everyone has their own thing going on too. And you're meeting other people with their own issues. And I, I'm, I was easily, I was easily taught that like, Hey, you know, keep, and you no, know, the whole keep it to yourself thing. You shouldn't have to do, you should be able to express things and discuss things. Mm-hmm. But I think then if it didn't matter, don't, don't bring it up. It doesn't, it, you don't have to bother people with it. And I kind of, I kind of kept that. For all of high school, I was like, "Oh, try not to, try not to bother people too much with that."
1: Did you notice when you were in theater, when you guys go over a play over and over and over again, that you probably just start picking up parts naturally?
2: Yes, yes, I would. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I, it was weird because with theater, we do four plays a year, and we would just we would just constantly be going through things, and I fell in love with directing. <laughs> I love directing, so like I did a lot of that, and then I did a lot of the acting, and then the miming. It was a lot. It was all all around a lot of theater, so and different types of theater and performing. And I think that's why I enjoyed stand up because it was just another type of performance that I enjoyed doing, not so much just plain acting.
1: What was your defined role in high school when you were acting? What was that role? If you have to say in high school, this was the role that was me. When people look inside this book, it's like, man, that was Riley's role. That
2: was Riley's role. <laughs> do you know? Do you know the? It's a. It's an old musical, but it's called Pippin.
1: Like Pippi Longstockings, Pippin. No. It,
2: <laughs> no, it's um P I P P E N is an old old musical, and it's the hmm. silliest thing ever. It is the weirdest. But I played the old grandma. <laughs> I always played the grandma or the. Old, an older person, but she was she had to sing a song, and I remember, I, I took voice lessons, but I wasn't great, and I just remember they were like Riley can't isn't the best singer,
1: <laughs> oh no,
2: or can act she sure they're like Riley stole the show with that even though she's not, and that's what I learned, even if you're not good at one thing, if you confident just go up there and do it people are gonna love it if you can take over that stage i just remember people were like (laughs) we're like yeah riley's not like there were singers in that show like people went on being on broadway from that play like people could sit they casted me they're like you know riley's not the best singer but she sure can act out that part (laughs) i was like I was like, you know what? This is how I feel with anything. This is this is how you're supposed to do it. Just be confident and own it.
1: So when you're when you're acting, do you know like when you're starting to apply for college? Before we go apply to college, did you go to prom? Did you have a prom? Did you go there?
2: Yes, yes. I I went to um I went to prom with friends every year. I went no to you? junior what? and senior year. Mm-hmm.
1: No high school boyfriend? No.
2: I had a I had a high school boyfriend for two months freshman year. But he was, he was, he was a little wacky, Jared. He was, all my friends were like, don't date him, don't date him. And I did it. And I, it was, it was not a great experience. And that was my last, first and last boyfriend ever. I haven't had a boyfriend since. I was like, hmm I was like, I haven't had a relationship since. Cause I was like, mm, not again. That was too much. That was, mm. so I just, I went out, to, I went to prom with, um, Senior prom, I went with my, 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 one of my best friends. He was, like, my gay best friend.
1: Was fun? Did you guys tear the city up?
2: We had the best time. We And then we went to Jer- – in New Jersey, you go to the Jersey Shore.
1: Shore. Ooh, yeah.
2: You go I to the Jersey Shore.
1: I watched, I watched a lot of shows about that place.
2: The Jersey Shore. Yes. Yeah, we are that disgusting as the, the – like,
1: I didn't understand it until I met a guy when I lived in uh, Tampa. Well, I lived in Orlando. He's from New Jersey. He goes, these girls are from Jersey. They're dirty. I said, why would you say that? He goes, That's, they're, he goes they're from the shore. They're trash. I was like, what? Trash, what yep. he goes, trust me, trust me, dude. They're, let's keep going. I was like, what?
2: A hun- a, your friend is 110% correct. I would call it. So, Cherry Hill was classier, but there was definitely towns and places. You, got to, you go down to the Jersey Shore, and you're like, this is not wild. This is wild. It was fun though. That was a fun weekend.
1: So do you all go to the shore and like ride rides or you guys just go on to the shore to chill?
2: Um, you go to certain places to go on rides, but like Ocean City and all that, but we we mostly went to the shore, went to tan, um, went to dinner, drank. But like my grandma, my bubby had a shore house thing in Atlantic City. Ooh. so that was cool that was very cool growing up mm-hmm.
1: so she would let you and all your girls come or
2: yeah as i got older oh, we wow. got you know friends could come down or um and it was we we're seeing kind of the rise and fall of atlantic city because you saw like it, it went downhill pretty bad as i got older you're like <laughs> this is not cute anymore
1: it's not cute anymore <laughs> it's
2: not no nope. but it was cool it was good Did you have anxiety about taking the SAT or ACT? Oh, my God. Good. It was terrible. I hated that. I don't know how you – I – the SAT gave me so much anxiety. And at one point, my mom was like, you know what, Riley? If the school wants you, like, (laughs) they'll, they'll have to look past. I got an audition for Pace University in the city and my audition was one of the best auditions i ever had for anything they made me do my monologue for their acting school they're like can you do a monologue but in your monologue can you pretend like you're like you haven't eaten in 10 days so you have to do my i had, I had to do a monologue like i was starving so i had to do a, like i had to be like oh so i started eating my folder that I brought in the room with me.
0: Uh
2: And at the end of the monologue, they they're like this. (laughs) (laughs) And they called me later that day and they said, Riley, we want you in our acting program, but your SAT math scores are so low. (laughs) uh, They're like, can you retake your math SAT scores? I said, if I take my math SAT scores, they're gonna be lower. (laughs) <laughs> what you want me to do <laughs> it was it was bad SATs were that was anxiety
1: that we still do <laughs> that thing in society where you're judged on a test right. yeah, I think it's the
2: stupidest thing. thing I hate it I think I'm it's the most everyone thing everyone
1: has anxiety about testing but to get into college they want you to take a test but to learn a trade you don't really need to take a test you're learning a skill
2: Mm-hmm. I I think it's if my kids are like I don't want to go to college. I'm gonna be like, okay, let's discuss what we're gonna do. But I I do not like that whole system. I think it's. I was
1: jealous of the twins in my school because they used to cheat on it. They used to cheat and switch tests. What? Yeah, we had school. They would take their SAT and then as soon as we go to the bathroom, they would switch tests. And I was like, well, let me switch mine with y'all. Somebody needs to do my math. I was always good at math. math. I don't like the reading part of the. Good
2: at math. math. Wow, that's very impressive
1: didn't like the reading part. because I'd be Mm -hmm. reading, I was like, where the freak am I? What is is the story about it? I remember some questions like, she stole a a glance, I had to write a sentence about it. And I was like, you know, stealing is not good, everything else, if he's stealing glances, until I realized like, oh, freak, he's talking about stealing a look. I was like, I wrote a whole paragraph about what it's like to steal and stealing glances, how she felt uncomfortable.
2: And you just wrote a whole thing about something, I I've done that before, and I I started writing at the end of all my essays in college. I'm so sorry, like I hope you enjoy this. It may not be what you want, like smiley face, like Riley. Like I would write little disclaimers.
1: <laughs> the football players always had special tests, so I would take their tests, and all the answers would be D.
2: Oh whoa! Oh see, that's just. Mm.
1: They would pass That's out it. a test and then they're like, they're like, hey, waters, waters is walking on the team, passing that test. Then I look, I was like, oh, all the answers are D. Shh. <laughs> yeah, super easy. Whoa. All the so. answers are D. All the, they've had these different athlete classes. So you'd have to go talk to this advisor and she would put you in these special classes.
2: Stop and, it.
1: Oh, yeah. So either <laughs> the answers like D, A, B, and it's, it's a question it's like, How do you feel at the end of this test? Great. Wow. I got my GPA super up when I was over there taking graphic <laughs> classes.
2: That's awesome. Shit. Wow. So you had,
1: so what college did you pick?
2: Um, I ended so I, I had this one school in mind, Muhlenberg in Pennsylvania. And it was like a small it kind of reminded me of my Jewish private school. That's why I like it so much. And it was very hard to get into and I would stalk them. I would call them every day. I would email them every day. I visited them all the time, and finally, I remember the dean called me. He's like, Riley, you're in, like, because I was, I would stalk them. I want to go there so badly. He's like, you're in, and as soon as I got in, I got accepted to the Hart School, University of Hartford in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and they had an amazing acting program, BFA, only, like, 50 people get in. Our class size was 10 people. Like, it's a small conservatory. And I remember being like, I have to go here. Like, oh, this wow. is a conservatory. So I had to say no to Muhlenberg. I was like- so I remember was my Tennessee. dad being like, really? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm? What do they say? Do they, are they sad that you're leaving, going from a different, you know, you're going kind of far. Connecticut, is that far from New Jersey?
2: That's about, it's about four-hour drive from Philly. Philly, like South Jersey to Connecticut. It's about four hours. Um, my pa- I have, I just got diagnosed with celiac disease. They thought I they senior year they thought I had
1: celiac. What's
2: that? Celiac. So, senior year I was all through high school I was getting very sick. Um like st- I was t- I was like throwing up after eating. I was always in bed all the time. My hair was falling out. I was getting nosebleeds. <laughs> I was getting all these things and I was had stomach issues as a kid and they thought um I remember my, my stomach doctor thought I, I either had Crohn's or stomach cancer mm. because it was that bad. And then uh, senior year, I got um, endoscopy and they got the camera down my throat and I had 39 ulcers, like up and down my esophagus. And they're like, this is not normal. So they're like, you have to go, you're celiac. They said you have celiac disease. I was like, what is that? And they said, you have to eat gluten-free. Now, Jared, nobody knew what gluten was. 12 years ago. No one knew what it was. Like, it wasn't a thing. Like, people – I would I would go to restaurants, and I'd be like, do you have gluten-free? And they're like, what's gluten? And, like, all I ate was, like, rice cakes. And, like – so, I've been gluten-free for about 12, 11, 12 years. And so, when people are, like, gluten-free now, I was like, okay, I was the OG. I started – Original one, yeah. <laughs> original allergy. Right? So, I, I was a little, like – but when I moved, when I went to college, my mom, I remember was very nervous. Cause she was like, she, I just started feeling better. And my mom was like, what if something happens? Mm. And um, we have some deaths in our family. And my mom was like, is this too far? I'm like, no, I got to get out. <laughs> I was like, I got to go. So Connecticut was, per- it was at the time, very good. How did
1: those deaths impact you? Like who, did anyone die close to you? Was it?
2: It was um, my, it was my cousin, my oldest cousin on my, um, mom's side.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
2: one of the boys, his name is Matthew. He was in Afghanistan at the time. He's in the army. Oh my gosh. So, it was a very like sudden death. Um, and okay. his dad, my uncle, had passed away a couple years before that. So, it was like a very strange, because like he was 29. And I think when someone passes that early, um, and that fast out of nowhere, and you're you 're not with them because he was so far, it didn't feel real for a while, um, and I think going to college with a newly diagnosed like thing I had to deal with, and then also trying to mourn a very close family member was a very strange mix, and I think I had to be. I, I was like, everything's fine, everything's good. But I, at night I would just be like it would just be sad. But I was very good at being like, Everything's good, everything <laughs>
1: everything's fine. Did you notice that you say you don't like being alone, but that's where you have is it because that's where all your that's where you start thinking about all the things mm-hmm. that you're dealing with?
2: Uh I hundred percent think that. I, I'm the type of person that as soon as I get alone, um, I start to just remember imagine things imagine things that aren't there stress about certain things and it's like uh, this quarantine I was very good at putting those memories and making them into good memories instead of being like sad about certain things I was like okay Riley if we have all this time alone let's let's think about how you can make it happier or the better time like you're not making it sad or making it into anxiety yeah
1: do you ever wonder about your body do you think sometimes that your body did you ever wonder like why is my body doing this were you upset at anything
2: yeah I, I I think I was always kind of mad at my body for a long time um with the celiac um I was always mad that I was constantly feeling sick all the time and then I was also you know as a kid what was wrong with me was my body as well. Like, Oh, I can't understand things. I can't process things. I always felt like a burden between that growing up and then all of a sudden I'm going to college and I have to eat a certain way. Mm. So now I'm a burden on my friends again. Like when I go out to eat, am I going to be annoying? I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to be the one being different. And all of a sudden it's, I was the only Jewish person in my, in my acting class. So Mm -hmm. again, they had classes on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Well, I don't want to be the annoying one wanting to go to synagogue, but I should go to class. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of felt a little bit like an extra burden. And then as soon as I realized you get older and everyone has their own burdens. And I always felt like I was the you know, oh, I can't say that because it might might annoy them or I can't say that because I might bring down the mood. It's like, no, we all have stuff. But as a kid and as, you know, a teenager and then you're going to college, you want to fit in. So I think I was very angry at my body and what was happening at the time. Yeah.
1: So who is your Riley? You're the one always helping everyone else. You're the one cheering people up. But who is the rally for you? Who's the one that cheers you up? Who's the one that makes you say it's all right, it's okay to be who you are? Who's that person in your life? Or um, haven't you known that person yet?
2: I, you know, for most of my life, and I know we discussed this, but I'm very blessed. I'm very grateful to say it's my family. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother, you know, my mom and my dad, my mom especially, has always been my biggest cheerleader, but as I've gotten older, I've realized my brother is someone who, he doesn't complain when things are bad, he doesn't, he doesn't say poor me when -hmm. things are bad, and he's been through his own, you know, things, and I see that, and I'm like, I don't have to feel, I don't have to be mad at my body, I don't have to feel bad for myself, I can, I can be confident, I can be, happy with the better parts i can use that and be confident and i think i see him and he's he's that for me he's that he's my riley he's the one that i can he's the person i can look at and be like i can be confident in my own body even if other things are happening and still be smiling and still go on with my life because he does that and i'm very impressed by how he does it so definitely my brother
1: you guys get closer throughout the years when do you guys start like bonding. When do you guys become that PB and J?
2: Love it. I think when I was little, um, I I would get very distressed and sad about things, and I would I would like throw little tantrums, or I'd get like angry. And instead of my parents, like my mom would yell and be like, "Stop crying, whatever." But my mom would I'd would go up in my room, shut the door. My mom would send my brother upstairs. My mom would be like, "Logan, go upstairs, check on your sister." My brother would come in. He'd sit on my bed. He goes, Riley, I want you to take it from here to here, okay? And he was two years younger than me. Like, he was a little – he was six. He'd be six, and he'd be like, Riley, why are you crying? There's no need to be crying. I was like (laughs) –
1: He's your little big brother.
2: He's my little big brother. And he, like, I, you know, there was parts in life that I had to take care of him, and um, he let me, and there's parts in life that – he took care of me and he did it without any reper... He just did it because he, there's love there, you know? And I'm very... I, it, it's it's love that you don't have to say, I love you all the time or I don't have to see him all the time to know that he cares about me. And I think that's the best type of love, that unconditional love mm-hmm. that someone's there for you and you don't even have to see them to know that.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're in college now. We're in college. You you get this new diagnosis, you're dealing with your cousin passing away and we're acting. When does it start to become fun? Like when, when is it, when do you start fitting your groove of just like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life?
2: Um, It's strange because acting school, a lot of them will do this, kind of knock you down. Mm. Big time. I lost all my confidence. The first, maybe the whole four years, I might've lost it it was it was over I was I was not confident I was second guessing myself the whole time um I think because I'm bad in education places learning places I'm very bad I hate I'm not good at learning I'm not I hate sitting and I hate you having to take a test on Shakespeare I hate I, I can't I, I hated it I was like this is terrible until I went to England junior year and studied Shakespeare abroad um, that's when I, I think my confidence picked back up again.
1: You went to that little hut that he has, right? It looks like a turtle. <laughs> <ball.
2: laughs> yeah. It's, it's,
1: yeah. Me and my lady went there. I said, these guys are great. great. Are
2: oh my God. I love that. I love that. Yeah. We went to the globe. We um, stayed in Birmingham, um, England for about eight weeks.
1: So what was that? Was that just a newfound confidence that you had after that? Do you feel like their acting is different? Cause everyone likes British actors.
2: Right. I, I think it was the teachers, the teachers there were, um, like I always got yelled at in my, in my college for my voice. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm a very strange, you know, like I a very strange voice sometimes. And I remember going to England and our voice teacher in England, I apologized. I was like, I'm sorry. My voice is kind of strange. She's like, Riley, your voice is so unique. She goes, you could make millions off of uh, voice acting one day. I was like, I was like, no one has even said to me, you got a unique voice. Instead, they were like, you have to change it. Right. So instead of, instead of, you know, they want to kind of cookie cutter way some of them. But, but in England, it was some of those teachers were very, very, um, it's just inspiring. I was like, oh, I can, I can be like, that. that's cool. Okay, I like that. I liked how they taught. It was like a lot of hands-on, which I enjoy.
1: It gave you the confidence that you needed at the time.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. What
1: about the people you met in England? Who were the people that you met in England? These like life lasting friendships, meeting these Brits?
2: Oh, wait, I downloaded Tinder, <laughs> <laughs> What year is this?
1: What year are we in? Was this is 2014. Oh, that's when Tinder first came out. Yeah, right?
2: it was pretty big. It was pretty, 2014, 2015. Um... We we all were very bored because they stuck us, there was 10 actors. They stuck us in a Christian missionary.
1: Oh gosh.
2: So like 10 horny 21-year-old actors in a Christian it was terrible. I was like, I was like, this is the worst place they could have put us in. <laughs> but um we all downloaded Tinder because we were bored and the first date I went on was this guy named Rob. And I still talk to him now and now and then. Rob and I went on a date and I will always remember this. We went out to eat. um, We went for coffee. Mm -hmm. And um, in the first 10 minutes, he said to me, do you do stand up? And I went, "I I don't really know stand up that well. He's like, you should look into it. I will remember that the rest of my life. As soon as he said, you should look into stand up. He was the one that honestly pushed me to try stand up.
1: Was he a comedian? What was he?
2: No, he was just like a normal human. Like he studied normal stuff in college. Like he just was, he's like, I think you're, I think you're hysterical. I'm like, I, what? I was, I was like, who are you? He's like, I think you should look into it. When I got back to the States, I remember he would message me all the time being like, have you done standup yet? Wow. Like, oh my God. And I, I tried standup once senior year at this cabaret and then I hadn't done it ever again till January of 2017 when I moved to New York but this was senior year in college I did one time and I was like I guess I'll try it and it went so well and he was like I told you he was like when you go to New York you should do stand-up I was like I'm, I'm an actor he's like I know but you should do it I I Honestly, that that year, that eight weeks in England was the best thing that ever could have happened to
1: me. Wow, it changed your life, really?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Rob, Rob is British, dude?
2: He Oh, such a handsome British man. I love him. I tell him all the time, I'm like, I'll literally come to England and marry you. But he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> How long did you guys date for? We never really dated. We just, we were very good friends for, and we still talk here and there. I'll, you know, I asked him how he was doing with Corona and he, we'd talk here and whatever, but we would talk on and off for a long time for like three, four years.
1: I wonder, I noticed this about actresses. This might be a stereotype because- <laughs> you guys do roles and then after the roles you're done most actors all i know are always in short term relationships i never notice them in long term relationships at all until they really? become
2: famous interesting i'm see i'm very um i don't like this about myself but uh i feel like i get distracted easily and my i don't know if i could have i have never done a boyfriend type of thing i feel like i could maybe be good at it a relationship but i'm i was always so like Focus
0: mm-hmm.
2: on career. I'm not saying like I know all, all my a lot of my good friends. You as well can do a career and have a great relationship. I've never had that. Um, I would love to see to try to have one. <laughs> I don't know. I can I still can't pick the guys. I don't know. But well, I would love to have yeah. one in the future.
1: Best stories about guys. The best stories. And my lady are laughing at the story I told her during the virus. I was like, "Can let me tell you what my friend says." She goes, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Where's yeah, I know, I, know right. I know how to pick 'em. I know
1: how to pick 'em. That's what my grandfather said. Boy, you sure know how to them, 'em, don't you, boy? Yes, sir. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's what my bubby said, the same way. The same way.
1: <laughs> so we're we're in England. We're at England's 2014. You got the confidence and now you got the spark to do stand-up. So when do you so when you finish college, what makes you say I'm going to go to New York instead of California?
2: Um, I love theater. I think I wanted to do theater um, a little bit more than film at the time. And I knew New York was very, mostly based in theater. Um, My best friend, Kristen, wanted to move to New York as well. Mm -hmm. So that summer, I worked in her parents. So her parents own a soul food restaurant in Connecticut. And then attached was an ice cream shop. So I'd work in the ice cream shop with my best friend. And then that October, we moved to, New York and she's also an actress so we both were actors in New York and then that January I did UCB improv
1: oh how was that
2: and that was <laughs> my mom because I wasn't I was getting I got monk commercial in the beginning and then I would audition 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 and it was so hard and I remember wanting to do something my mom's like just go do improv and I remember Rob being like have you done stand-up yet and when I went into UCB, they had an open mic night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I'll try it. And I tried to stand up and I loved it. And then a week later, I met Allie Colbert, who's a comedian. Mm-hmm. And she's like, in a month, if you have five minutes, I'll get you a show. And that happened in the span of like a month. Wow. Of starting stand up. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think I like this. But that's how I moved in October, started UCB in January, and started stand-up February.
1: Did you, did you know, in stand-up, did you try to do, try to fit in, or do you notice in stand-up, it's, it's better to stand out? Do you notice that?
2: It's strange, because it, it reminds me a little bit of school, sometimes, where fitting in is good in a way, because you get along with people, um, people, enjoy, same thing with theater. If people enjoy working with you, they'll put you on shows. They'll book you in the theater. They'll put you on a show. They'll, they'll be like, oh, that person was good. I'm going to put them in a movie. I like working with them. I think fitting in, I think is not a great, I, I think it's cool to fit in, but I think it's better to be able to work, be easy to work with people, but at the same time stand out because I think that's. That's what we're doing this for, to stand out. Right. But I think um, being able to work with people is, and be able to hang out with people and talk to people like this, I think is so important.
1: So when we get into stand up, we get into stand up, we're starting to do that. What do your parents say about this? What is what is everyone saying back at home? Like, wow, <laughs> you really own this pony?
2: Yeah, they, it's weird. They all were like, yeah, we get it. it just makes sense. They, all of them were like, Oh, that's, this makes sense with Riley. Like when I told my parents, they were like, so is it life-y? like, like they, they, they were a little confused at first, but it was weird. Everybody was on board. And I don't know if it's because my brother is going to take over my family business. <laughs> we got one out of the way, let her ch- chase her dreams. <laughs> but they were, they all were on board. Both my family, in Michigan, my family, in Jersey and Philly, Everybody was like, this makes sense. <laughs> it's entertainment, like you're a performer. Right. They And they they always knew I was. Yeah, they always were like, yeah, Riley's a performer. This honestly kind of makes sense.
1: <laughs> As your dad being a dentist, what was that like seeing him being in a respectable position in the community?
2: Uh, it's strange because you know, the guys that I, I like, and I, and I kind of date are like, not, not respectable. <laughs> Like They're not at all. My, I'm like, I'm, I'm supposed to go with people who cause I, for, for years, I, and now I respect my father so much and what he does for the family, what he does for the business. Mm-hmm. I would love to marry someone like my father, the, the way he is with me and my brother. Um, the way people, I, I worked for my dad a lot as a kid in the summers. Mm-hmm. I would help out at his office. I would do the bills. I would clean. I would make teeth models like all the time. And I would always see my dad working and people would always be like, your father is amazing. He's helped me so much. And it's like, people hate the dentist. People hate it. People do not like, yes, people, but they would always be like, we are so grateful for him. So, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And I remember uh, senior year of college, I was helping the office during spring break and I was working in the back and I heard a patient say to my dad, you're really letting your daughter be an actor? Like, you really think that's smart? Like, he was telling this to my father. I remember being in the back room, being like, "What's my dad gonna say?" And my dad's like, "Yes, yes, yeah, she's gonna be an actor." I have full confidence in my daughter. You no, know, I like I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Oh, okay, Doctor Lassen, good for you."
1: <laughs> that's so good, confidence as you have that you are like very loved. That's that's mm-hmm. amazing that you are surrounded by love. What about your mom? Your mom was so mom
2: same way. Yeah, my my mom um is actually an artist oh. and. She went to Carnegie Mellon for art. Um, She she did at a very young age. She is incredibly talented. And same with my brother. He was also, he went to to dentistry, but he is the most beautiful artist. He can sculpt, he can paint and draw. And so when I wanted to go for a BFA in acting, my, my family wanted me to go to a BA. And a BA is a lot of like, people who want to teach acting and people, oh. it's more it's more educational which is not bad too there are very good actors with bas but a bfa is like conservatory like acting 24 7 and i wanted a bfa but my family was like maybe you should go for a ba but my mom was like no she needs a bfa like she needs to be acting."
1: 10 toes down
2: Yeah, she was like, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it. And my mom and my dad both said, Riley, there's no plan B. There's only plan A. Oh, I love that. So, which is that they've always said that my whole life. I was like, well, what if? Say that again for the people. Hmm? Say that again for the people. Oh, yeah. So, my parents always said, there's never plan B, only a plan A.
0: Wow.
2: Always. And that's how I feel like I've kind of always kind of been leading my life with that like people would be like well don't you want like a don't you want to like do some how about you go for a h- hygiene school so in case acting fails you can be a hygienist yeah. my mom's like no you're going to put all your efforts into this and see what you can do cuz she's like if you do full pot- potential with anything you can get far if you work hard stay focused she goes something's going to come out of it i'm like okay cool. And I, I'm very blessed with the support. I'm very, 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 very grateful.
1: Okay. We're at the Hilltop question, but before we go that, I want to ask you five questions. And before we get to the main questions, these five questions is what's your best moment? What's a good moment, a good time that you can remember in stand up? What's the worst time you remember inside stand up? What's the memory that you'll never forget? And who are the people that impacted you? On your career your stand-up career
2: oh let goodness.
1: me ask that again I forgot okay
2: the first one was the best one right
1: best moment in stand-up or acting in general or in the business
2: um I think the best moment was the last time I did comedy for my Bubby um I was I was doing a guest spot at a show in New Jersey um, I believe Um. Matthew Broussard was headlining, um, I believe that was the show, and um, Kevin Hurley was hosting, and my bubby was in the audience, and I remember there was, I did a lot of crowd work, and this guy in the front row says something very sexual or something. I was going back and forth with him, and I said, you want to mess with me? My bubby's sitting right there, and she screamed. She goes, yeah, you want to mess with me, Buster? Like, and she screamed in the back of the room. And the whole audience just went like, woo, Bubby! And I <laughs> remember being like, she, ha- she is the person that has gotten me up there and, with this confidence and feeling good. And, and, she, and I just remember that was the last time she passed away two months later. Wow. And I remember being like, I'm so grateful for that moment. So yeah, that's the best I think. <laughs> did, you
1: guys, did you guys ever have closure? Did she like? Did she pass away as old age or was it sudden or?
2: It was it was sudden. It was sudden, but it was strange because um, two weeks before she passed, I went. It was my dad's birthday, and I went up to Jer- went down to Jersey to see them, and I walked her inside her house. She'd always be like, "Walk me in after dinner." And I walked her in, and she grabbed my face. She goes. She, I remember she was, she was just, she was like, Riley, stay healthy. Okay. Love yourself. I love you. Like she, she said the message, like she was, I was like, Bobby, I'm, I'll see you in a couple months. What are you talking But the way she said it was like, take care of yourself. And I'll always remember that. So yeah, I feel yeah. like she knew, you know what I mean? I feel some, like people your body know, some
1: people know their, their day.
2: Yeah. That's weird. I think something, she knew something was, was up.
1: Your worst moment in the business?
2: Oh. My worst moment. <laughs> um, it's so strange because I've had you know, we've had all the we've had bombs, we've had shows where we're like, oh no. But I remember um I had a a, a week of bombing. It was just a week. It's a week of bombing. And I had a, a spot at Broadway Comedy Club, the eleven o'clock show. <laughs> and I remember Andre Thompson, G. Thompson we drove there, and I think Kyle Pennant was there. A bunch of people were there, and I bombed so badly on stage. I, I, And the, you know when you know you're bombing, and I got off stage, and I was so mad at myself. I was so angry. I remember being like, am I going to get out of this rut? I just remember being like, I know what I need to do to fix this, but why am I not doing it? I remember Andre said to me afterwards, he goes, you know what you have to do, do it. like you're right I have to just do it you know when you're just like in in your like you're like I was like do I like being in this like sadness why do I I got I was so angry he goes stop being angry and just do it you know what you have to do and I'm like you're right I do
1: (laughs) what's the moment you'll never forget
2: oh my goodness i'm trying to um it it might have been um maybe coming back after quarantine and doing my first show in front of people um i remember being so excited and so scared at the same time it was a different type of scared it wasn't our usual scared it was like i hope i still I, i hope i still have the this love for this, like going on stage, being like, I hope I don't fail because this is all I want. And this is all, you know what I mean? So I think I'll never forget that feeling of being like, I hope I still have it. I hope I still got it. I hope I still want this after doing this set in front of these people I haven't done in four months. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And who are those people in your comedy career? Were those are the ones that. Those are the, your people that you lean on. Who are those comics that were there for you, your influences? Because everyone has like their classic comics that were there when they were down and out, the ones that encouraged them. Who are those people that lifted you up when you needed that?
2: Um, I I really think, um, you know, I've had amazing, amazing conversations with so many comics. Mm-hmm. Um, you, like, beautiful conversations that you're just like, where you don't, you you know, you don't mean to have, but you start talking after shows. But I have to say my good buddy Andre Thompson has gotten me out of weird ruts and not by, not by being like, oh, it's okay. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't he, he'll be honest. And I think honestly in this career, you need someone to be like, give you the honest truth about things. And I'm I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful that I met someone like that that is honest and willing to share knowledge. And so I think in all of this, Andre is a is a person that, you know, has given me very, very good um criticism and comedy knowledge that I'm very glad I have now.
1: That's your rally.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> hey, called it back. That's a callback. That's, that's a
2: callback. That's sweet. Oh, sweet. Yes.
1: Riley, everyone needs one.
2: Yeah. But he's definitely been, yeah, some great, great criticism. So, yeah. It's like
1: a family. It's like a family. I feel like when every, anytime, like, you post something, like, I feel that, like, when you, like, you educated me about when you talked about that, the, the disease you, like, you made a post about, I'm like, freak, I never, freak, F. You see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you're just like, we're, like, so invested into, like, each other, to be like, nah, let's make sure that she feels that love. You
2: know what I mean? Like, we're all in this together, F it, you know? Amen. I 100% agree.
1: 100%. Now here we go. This is called the hilltop questions, right? Now you can answer these however you want them. It could be long. It could be short. It okay. Could be, right. Here we go.
2: Okay.
1: Question number one: Do you believe in God? Yes. Who's your favorite person in the Torah?
2: Sarah, what Abraham's wife.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, she was, I think, one of the strongest women in the, in, in the Torah. I think, um, birthing a a kid so late, um, the love she had for Abraham, I think she just is a beautiful woman in the Bible. And I, uh, I, 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 connect a lot with her. So I think Sarah is my favorite.
1: Do you have a favorite verse in your Torah?
2: Um, My bat Mitzvah, um, not my Torah reading, but my, um, I forget what it's called. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get so mad, I don't remember. But it was talking about bringing water to the camel
0: mm.
2: um, and the, bringing the camel to the water. And I think that's a beautiful verse. I'm trying to remember, but that's one of my favorite. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the verse, but I forget.
1: <laughs> Shout out to all our Torah readers out there. Shout out to them. Hey, all
2: the Torah readers. <laughs>
1: When's the last time you had a nightmare?
2: Oh my goodness, last night.
1: What was that about?
2: <laughs> um, I had a dream that um, there were spiders on the wall and I couldn't get out of my room.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they, they were just congregating and I thought they were talking about, like they were just, <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were clicky spiders.
1: When's the last time you had a panic attack?
2: I think it might've been two weeks ago yeah
1: what was that about for what
2: the world yeah mm-hmm. it, it got, i think i read the news too much and i think it got to me
1: <laughs> what's your biggest fear on the surf?
2: um my parents dying hmm. i think um, my parents and my brother um getting sick or dying i just i'm so that scares me
1: do you believe in soulmates
2: I do, in a way, yes, yes.
1: All right, now this is a series of questions, right? Now This is what's going to happen. I'm going to say, who are you? And the goal is to go beyond yourself, right? So, like, if you ask me, who are you, I'm going to say Jared Waters. And then you're going to keep asking me the question. I was like, stand-up comedian. And I'm just going to keep saying it until you stop.
2: Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Who are you? Riley Laston. Who are you? An actor. Who are you? A comedian. Who are you? A friend? Why? A daughter? Why? A sister? Who are you? A girlfriend?
1: Who are you?
2: A best friend? Why? Uh, a confidant? Why? A believer? Why? A lover? Why? A soulmate?
1: When it's all said and done, and someone yeah. has book right and they give you the Riley Lassen story what would you want them to say about you
2: um that I made an impact on their life um that I've made their life better in a way um I've impacted their life for good and not bad um and I brought positivity and um laughter in their life something good um I've only wanted to impact positivity um in someone's life so yeah, that's
1: ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jared Waters. This is the podcast One Man, One Tree in the Hill. This is Riley. Riley, how can the people find you?
2: Ah, you can find me uh, at Riley Lassen on Instagram, Twitter, all that.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Say what up to the people. Now, this is when I see black excellence. It's Keenan Thompson and I see this giant butt, and I'm like, oh, who is that? Turns out it's Questlove. So Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, and they're all sitting at the table, and I walk up to Eddie Murphy, and I was like, hey, Mr. Murphy, I just want to say you're the GOAT, man, and you're the coldest that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right
0: now. So we haven't spoken
2: about anything but the cat for at two least months, two months. months. And I said,
1: uh-uh, I'm to be the next Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.